All right, well, I'm going to pray, and then we will jump into the sermon. We are going to be, if you want to get your Bible ready, we're going to be in Luke 12, 22. So we're going to be in Luke 12, 22 today, and um, we're skipping a little bit ahead of our series in Luke because I thought that this topic today was relevant for, for probably most of us. And so let me pray, and then we will begin our time seeing what God has to say to us about peace in anxious times. So Father, I pray now that you would allow me to speak your word faithfully. Pray that wherever people are right now, wherever they're watching, wherever they're listening, that you would open our hearts to receive what you have for us, God. We know that technology can be a great gift and sometimes it can be wonky, and, but we know, God, that you can speak that you speak to us in your word and wherever we are, and whether we're with our families or we're by ourselves, wherever we are, Lord, you can speak to us. And so we ask that you would do that today, that you would convict Holy Spirit where we need your conviction, that you would teach us and lead us in next steps in our life where we need that, that you would comfort our hearts where we need that. So I ask that you would do this, Father, and pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, we're living in some scary times, and I don't know uh, what you have felt like the last couple weeks, but I know that whether it's personally for you or just in the air, we know that there's a lot of fear happening and that there's a lot of anxiety taking place. And you may be worried about your job, if you're going to have one or what it's going to look like. You may be worried about your retirement as the stocks plummet and, and people are, are freaking out on, on what that's going to mean then for the future. You may be worried about your health and wondering if you are going to get sick or someone you love is going to get sick or you may have gotten sick. You may be just experiencing anxiety over the things that you have lost. Maybe you had trips planned or I know we were supposed to be at a, uh, my sister-in-law's wedding yesterday and so there may be loss that you experience of, of things that are disappointing that you wanted to do that you're now not able to do. I was I was talking to somebody this week that told me that it felt like there was just a giant question mark floating like a, some sort of you know Snapchat filter or something, just a giant question mark floating above their head because everything in life felt so uh, unknown and not sure what things were going to bring. Are we going to be able to do this? Are we going to have this money? Am I going to be able to uh, be with these people? How long is this going to last? And just a giant question mark over Uh, their head. And, And you may feel like that. I don't know what it is for you, but what right now are you feeling anxious about? Maybe it's all the things I just listed. What are you feeling worried about? What are you feeling fearful about? It can be hard to relieve those feelings if you are feeling them. We have sleepless nights and and, and we might try to kind of calm it down and, and we go to text a friend and, and then we pull up the news and, and there's more things and more death counts and more sickness counts and more things closing and it, it can be hard to shut off the fear. It can be hard to shut off the anxiety. It can be difficult to experience peace. And so we try to escape. We try to escape. I don't know what that is for you. Maybe that's 
social media. Maybe that's Netflix or or or, or various things. Maybe it's uh, you know Colorado. We we tried to, and by we I just mean the government tried to uh, do a, a shutdown on non-essential services, and they shut down the liquor stores and the uh, marijuana dispensaries. But immediately that order was rescinded within almost about an hour because people said, no, these are essential services for us because in trying times, we need to be able to escape. And so I don't know what it is for you that you're worried about, but for most of us, there's some fear. Most of us, there's some anxiety, some disappointment, and we want peace. We want some escape. We want some relief, but it's it's hard to come by if we are honest. So how can we be free from anxiety? How can we experience peace and even hope in the middle of these kinds of times? And, and maybe for you, it has nothing to do with this. Maybe you're one of the few people that says, life has gotten better for me. Actually, I'm an introvert. I love being socially distanced from people. And I always have worked from home. And this is great. So I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that is you. Um, I know some people have said, man, traffic is great right now. I love this. So I, I don't know. Maybe right now you're not feeling anxiety over this, but, but we do feel anxious over other things. And so whether it's around the times that we live in or just in general, we need to know how that when things are fearful, when things are worrisome, we can experience peace and we cannot live in anxiety. That is Listen, I don't know who you are. I know some of you are from the church and some of you are just probably uh, visiting. I, I want you to know God wants you to have peace and that is available to you. God wants to relieve the fear and the distress that you have and that is available to you. So how can we, how can we have this? And Jesus speaks into this today in one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible. So I'm going to read this and then we will talk about together why it is that we're anxious and what we can do to get rid of this or to get peace and, and really what the way forward is even in anxious times. So Luke 12, starting in verse 22, here's what Jesus says. He says, then he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or about the body, what you will wear for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or a barn, yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than the birds? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? If then you're not able to do even a little thing, why worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass, which is in the field today and is thrown into the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you, you of little faith? Don't strive for what you should eat and what you should drink, and don't be anxious. For the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your Father delights to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old. An inexhaustible treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Very important words that can help bring peace to our anxiety. So first, let's look at this. Why is it that we are 
anxious. Why do we feel the way that we feel when we're anxious during these times or other times? And Jesus gives us a key phrase here. He says in verse 23, life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Life is more. See, what happens when we are anxious is that good things in our life, food and clothing, good things in our life have become ultimate things. Things that have become, things that are good things have become things that for us are actually life, meaning that they are the source of our life. They're what we're pursuing. They're what our life is about. It's no longer just good things that God has given. They are our life, which is why Jesus has to say, your life is more than this. And that might be food and that might be clothing. It could be all sorts of things, but there are things that we have said, this is no longer just a good thing. My job, my family, my vacation that I had planned, my 401k, security, uh, retirement when I get older, my bank account, my savings, um, my, my, my food preferences, my recreation preferences, they're no longer just good things, but they have become my life. And Jesus says that we are often striving after things. He says that the, the Gentile world, that would just be the non-Jewish world. And for us, it's just the, the world that is not Christian, the world that doesn't have God's values. He says, don't strive after these things because the Gentile world eagerly seeks after all of these things. What this is saying is this, our hearts are set on things. We strive after things. It's not just that we're anxious about money. It's not just that we're anxious about food. It's not just that we're anxious about toilet paper. It's that our hearts are striving, that we want, that we have built our life around certain things. Listen, it's hard to know what those are until they're threatened. It's hard to know what life has become for you. It's hard to know what your heart has been striving after until it's threatened. See, we can go around our life and think, man, I love God and my life's about God and, and, I'm, and I really, man, I feel like I have a pretty balanced life. But until certain things are challenged, until certain things might be taken away or, or are taken away, we don't really know what it is that we've been striving after, what it is that Jesus would speak to us and say, life is more than this. See, why we are anxious is not just about specific things, but rather it is because we have built our life around certain things. It's, it's not just the things that we're worried about. It's our vision of life. It's our gods, really, that we are worried about. Here's another phrase that maybe can help you think about this, that your worry is a reflection of your worship. What you worry about is a mirror that reveals what you really worship about. See, our worry shows us what our life has actually been about. If Jesus were to sit down with you today, and this wasn't a sermon that he was preaching to a group of people, but rather he was just having coffee with you or um, that was takeout, and he, and he sat down uh, six feet away from you, and he said, hey, let's have a conversation. If Jesus were to do that, what would he say to you if he were to say, life is more than dot, dot, dot. See, that is why we are anxious, because life has actually revolved around things it shouldn't be revolving around. It's that our hearts are striving after things, and when they're threatened, it can be scary, but it's a great time to actually see, wow, I didn't know 
that I wanted that so much. I didn't know that that is what I was building my life on. Our worry is a reflection of our worship. So how do we get peace? How do we get rid of anxiety and instead experience peace? Maybe that's what's going on in our hearts and Jesus can diagnose it. But what is the way forward? How do we get peace? Not just what is the sickness, but what is the medicine? How do we get peace? And often when we feel anxiety, when we're experiencing fear, when we're experiencing worry, the way that we try to get rid of it, it might be with breathing techniques, which maybe can be helpful. But a lot of times it's, it's with predicting the future, trying to say, okay, I, I think I'll be okay because this is going to last two months, or I think I'll be okay because I've got this check that's coming in, or I think I'll be okay because I know that this is going to happen, and I'm pretty sure that my job is going to do this, and I'm pretty sure when I speak with this person that they're going to respond like this, and we manage our expectations. We manage our expectations sometimes with optimism, saying, I know it's going to be okay because sometimes we manage our expectations with a more pessimistic attitude, saying, well, I'm probably going to lose everything and that's just how it's going to go. But now at least we know what's going to happen, so we feel okay to some degree. Jesus is going to give us something better. He says, I know your heart is heavy. I know. I mean, the fact, the very fact that Jesus speaks into our anxiety is saying that Jesus knows and says, I know your heart is heavy. I know you've lost some things that you wanted. I know you're disappointed about some things. I know you're scared about some things. I know you're worried about some things. And I want to bring some comfort into your life. I want to help you. And what Jesus is going to give us is better than just managing expectations. It's better than just knowing the future. He's going to give us something more. And here's the three things that he tells us how we can experience peace. The first is this, and, and we won't spend as much time on this, but one of the things that Jesus says is, can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? If then you're not able to do even a little thing, why worry about the rest? Jesus is saying, listen, you can worry all you want. It doesn't add anything to your life. See, the first thing that helps us out of anxiety or the first thing that helps us to get peace is we need to see accurately who we are. And Jesus says, you can't do anything. You can't add even a tiny little moment to your life. So if, if you can't do that, what good does worry actually bring? What good does being anxious actually do? So why worry about things? That, that's just a simple little thing that he says, although very helpful, is we need to be humble and realize who we really are. That's the first thing. Who am I? I'm not God. I'm not in control. Some of us had all sorts of plans this year, all sorts of goals this year, all sorts of things, and now the gym is closed, and your vacation got canceled, and your, your air miles aren't racking up the way you thought, and your money's not building the way you thought, and you're not able to, you weren't able to use all the stuff on your ski pass, or whatever it is that we go, I had all these plans, I had all these trips, and these goals, and these, I was going to start dating, and now that went out the window. Whatever it is, you go, man, I can't do anything. That's one of the first things that actually helps us experience peace is to just accurately know who we are. But second, and, and I think even more profound than that, is Jesus gives us many things about who God is. It's not just that we need to know who we are, number one. Number two is we need to know who God is. And, and Jesus gives us such beautiful truth about God in this passage that I hope even now can help to bring peace into your heart. Let me give you five things that Jesus tells us 
about God. The first is he says that God is working for you. Right now, God's not silent. God, I was reading yesterday morning that God does not sleep or slumber. Sometimes, sometimes I don't know if, if you're like me at all, you, you might wake up and, and you're not able to sleep. And sometimes you're actually like, okay, great. I can get a lot of things done right now. And I was thinking about that yesterday because the Bible says God does not sleep or slumber, which means God is always working. That extra hours that maybe you get in a sleepless night, God says, I always have that. I'm never sleeping. I'm never slumbering. I am always working for your good. And, and that's what Jesus tells us here. He says, consider the ravens. Consider the ravens. Have you ever seen a bird go shopping? Have you ever seen a bird go shopping? Have you ever seen a bird with a shopping cart? I don't think so. Maybe you have in some little trick video or something, but, but you've never seen a bird shopping. You've never seen a bird farming. You've never looked out in your yard and seen a squirrel and he had a rake and he was kind of getting the ground ready. No, he just takes your stuff. And what Jesus says is, listen, God takes care of the birds and the ravens, which by the way, for the Jewish people were an unclean animal. And he says, I take care of them. They don't have to do anything. I take care of them. I take care of the birds. And he says he takes care of the wild flowers. They didn't, they, you never saw a flower at H&M getting all pretty, getting all dressed up. It says God clothed them. God took care of them. See, that is the first truth that Jesus gives to us, which is so profound, is that just as he is actively working to feed the birds and actively working to clothe the wildflowers, God is actively working to take care of you. That is what Jesus gives to us. Listen, I love this truth because for some of us, we need to know that God is with us. We need to believe that. When, when you're anxious, when you're, when you're fearful, when you're worried, you need to know God is with you. But Jesus doesn't just say that God is with you. He said that God is working for you. It's not just God's presence. It's God's power. That is profound. God is not just with you as a comforting hand on your shoulder. God is working for you, to provide for you, to care for you. That is the first truth that Jesus gives to us about God. The second thing is this, related to that, is that he knows your needs. He knows your needs. It's not just that he's working, but he doesn't really know what he's doing. He's not just in some sort of frenzy. It says that God knows your needs. He knows what you need. That is what Jesus says about God. What a beautiful truth that we can lean on, that God is wise. He knows your needs. Listen, he knows your needs. And I know I'm looking into a camera, but I'm looking at you. He knows your needs. He sees your bank account. He sees your health. He sees your family. He sees you working from home. He sees the stresses you have. He sees your kids. He knows your needs. God is wise enough to know the needs of the world and at the same time know your needs as an individual. God knows your needs. Others may not. I, what are you facing right now? Others may not get it. Others may not know. But God knows your needs. No matter how complicated they are, nothing escapes his knowledge and his ability. This is important. He knows them. He knows them 
He knows your needs yesterday. He knows them today. He knows them forever. He knows them for as long as you have them. God knows, Jesus says, your needs. So that's number two. Number three, and a beautiful truth that we can look at here, is that he says, you matter to him. You matter to him. See, he says that you are worth, aren't you worth much more than the birds? Aren't you worth much more than the birds? God takes care of birds. God takes care of flowers. Aren't you worth more than that? See, one of the truths that God is giving to us, that Jesus is giving us to us here, is that he says, you matter to me. I value you. Yes, look, I'm taking care of the world. Look, I'm taking care. Whenever I look in my yard and I see squirrels eating my fruit and I see them eating my vegetables, I get a little mad and then I go, God's taking care of them. And I matter more than a squirrel. I am worth, you can put that on a t-shirt. I'm worth more than a squirrel. That's the the title of my next self-help book. I'm worth more than a squirrel. That is true. He says, you matter to me. I value you. That is such a beautiful truth that we need to rest in. Listen, we've got whatever, whatever matters to you, whatever matters to you, whatever is important to you, whatever has worth to you, whatever has value to you, you take care of. We've got an upstairs and a downstairs and we've got an upstairs couch and uh, we don't let the kids play on that couch. We don't let them jump around on that couch. We, we've got some rules for that couch because it's worth more than our downstairs couch. Our downstairs couch, I think I paid a hundred bucks for it or something on Craigslist and uh, had a guy in a truck drive it over to our house in the rain and never did anything to fix it. It's covered in stains. People can jump on it, walk on it. You can have a a party on it. I, I don't care what you do on my couch downstairs. It's just a couch downstairs. And you know why it doesn't matter to me? Because it's not worth that much. But when you, when God is saying this, you're, you're, here's, look, let me back up. You're worth more than a squirrel, or another way to think about it is this. You're an upstairs couch. You're an upstairs couch, okay? You matter to God. He says you are worth so much more. He's comparing two different uh, kinds of life, birds and the humans that he has created. He says, I created them both. They're both couches. I made them both, but you are worth more to me. You matter to me. You need to know that. Some of you really need to know that. That's, that's the third thing. And number four is that you belong to him. If you're a Christian, it's not just that you matter to him. It's not just that you're worth more because you're a human life and they're bird life. He says, you belong to me. You belong to me. Jesus uses the word father throughout this. He says that your, the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things. Your father knows you need them. Your Father. See, we have to remember who God is. He's not just the all-powerful creator. He's not just the bird provider and the flower dresser. He, that's not only who God is. He is Father. You belong to Him. And I love this little thing that He says. He says, seek His kingdom and these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid, little flock. Don't be afraid. This is the only place in the Bible that Jesus or anyone uses that term, little flock. See, the Bible uses the word flock a lot or the image of a flock that we are like sheep and God is our shepherd, but only here does he say little flock. It's just a a tender thing that he is saying, 
you belong to me. You're my little flock. You're my people, and I'm your father. I'm your shepherd. I'm your big shepherd, and you're my, you're my little people. Come here. And he's saying, you belong to me. So God works. He knows our needs. You matter to him. You belong to him. And then finally, it says this, that he delights to give you the kingdom. Another one that I, I just love, and he says, I just read it. He says, don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Now think about that. Your father, Jesus could have said it a lot of ways. He could have said, don't be afraid. God knows your needs. Don't be afraid. God is powerful. Don't be afraid. You belong to God. He could have said just that. But when he says, your father loves, he enjoys, it fills his heart with, with joy to give you the kingdom. Your father delights to give you the kingdom. God isn't trying to hold back from you. God's not trying to be stingy with you. God loves, he delights in giving you not little things, but the kingdom. His rule, his reign, his presence life with him. He loves to give that to you. God is not going to hold anything back from you because it's in his nature, it's in his heart that he delights to give you the kingdom. Such an important thing. How do we get rid of anxiety or how do we get peace? We need to first see who we are, Jesus says. Second, we need to see who God is. And then third, he tells us this, with all, of, with all of these little things here, he uses the word a couple different times when he talks about the ravens and he talks about the wildflowers, consider. See, if we want to experience peace, we need to know who we are, we need to know who God is, but we also, number three, have to consider. We have to consider. See, right now, you're probably considering a lot of things. You're considering your income. You're considering your job. You're considering the world around you. Maybe you're somebody that loves to look at the, the numbers and the stats and the graphs, and maybe you're on the New York Times regularly or Fox News or CNN, or you're, you're, you're getting updates and you love to consider. You love to consider things. But what Jesus tells us is this. Anxiety is considering our problems. Faith is considering a person. In both situations, we are engaging our mind. In both situations, we are thinking it through. In both situations, we're looking at things and, and teasing out how it applies to us. That is what considering is. It's this thoughtful, okay, what does this mean? What is this going to mean? What will happen? What will this do? That is what many of us do. Anxiety is considering problems. And faith is considering a person. And Jesus is saying, not just here's a bunch of truth about God, but that we need to consider it. We need to dwell on it. We need to meditate on it. Let me just ask you this. During this time, during these last few weeks even, how much have you been considering who God is versus considering what's happening in the world? How much have you been considering your problems versus how much have you been considering our Father? That is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I know your mind is engaged. I know it's active. I know you're considering all sorts of things, and I want to help you so that you consider who God is, which is why Jesus tells us really the key of the problem is this. He says, don't be afraid, little flock. But sorry, earlier he says this. He says that we have little faith. We have little faith. We have little faith. That is the problem. 
That's the problem. You of little faith. And I don't think Jesus is saying that as this big rebuke to say, you little faith dummies. He's saying, you of little faith, consider this. He wants us to build our faith up. It's there. It's present. If you're a Christian, you've got some faith. But he says, it might be little. And to build it up, I want you to activate your mind and your heart by considering who God is. We do that through the Bible. We do that through church right now. We do that through community. We do that through doing what Jesus says and thinking through the implications for our life. Jesus wants your little faith to grow into bigger faith so that instead of fear dominating, faith dominates. Instead of problems, a person is what fills your vision. This is what we need. And let me just say this. If you're not a Christian, this is what God wants to invite you into. What God wants to give to you, the peace he wants to give to you, is a relationship with himself where you can know, I have a father who I belong to, who says I matter, who knows my needs, who is working for me, and who delights to give me the kingdom. Jesus is saying, I want to invite you into that. Even for those of you that are not Christians today, he wants to invite you into that. And finally, what do we do instead? So we're anxious because we build our life on things. We're anxious because we're striving after things. How we get rid of it, how we get peace is knowing who we are, knowing all the beautiful truth about who God is and considering those things. But how is it that we actually move forward? What do we do instead of just being anxious and sitting at home? What do we do? And Jesus gives us two things. He says this in starting in verse 31. But, so that's instead of worrying about those things, instead of doing those things, but seek his kingdom. That's the first action item that he gives to us. Seek his kingdom. See, what is it that you are seeking? We may have been striving after entertainment and wealth and comfort and relationships and all sorts of things. And Jesus says, you know what you need to do? You need to seek my kingdom. Something that never can be taken from you. Something that never wears out. Something that you can always have. As much as you seek it, you will find it. Seek my kingdom. I think that this is a time for many of us, I think it's a time that God is realigning our priorities, realigning what we've been striving after, what we've been focused on. He has stripped so much away from sports to entertainment to relationships. It's been stripped away. And I think the gift of that to those of us that are Christians is he is saying, I want you to seek my kingdom, which means to seek him and what his world and life is about, what life with God as king is about, his mission, his people. It's about his priorities. It's about him. Seek his kingdom. Are you taking this time to do that? I think that's one of the great gifts that God wants to give you. I think that's a great gift he wants to give our church that we would seek his kingdom. Second thing, he says, is to give. When we are anxious, oftentimes we get more self-focused. When we are worried, we get more self-focused. You see this with people hoarding masks and hoarding toilet paper and hoarding everything that they can think of and thinking about themselves. Yes, we see glimmers of beauty and neighbors sharing with each other, but we also see that during anxious times, people freak out. And Jesus is saying, you're anxious. 
You're worried about money. You're worried about what's going to happen. You're worried about the future. And he says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. He says, make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old. He says to store up our treasure in heaven where no thief comes. So nothing can take it away from you. And no moth destroys. Nothing corrupts it. And no, he doesn't say this, but no coronavirus destroys. He says to invest in what really matters. To give. To be generous. You see, the calling that we have in the middle of anxiety is not to focus on ourselves, to hedge our bets, to make sure we're safe, to make sure we're secure. It is to do what Jesus says and to invest in what matters most, to seek his kingdom and allow our hearts and priorities to be realigned into a radical generosity where we say, I'm going to invest no longer in things that can be taken away from me, but in things that matter eternally. You see, a lot of us have invested in things that can be taken away from us. We've felt that. We've seen it. And Jesus says, I want you to put your money and your treasure in what matters most, what matters eternally. What would happen if that was true of us? What would happen if we could lose so many things and yet it didn't affect our hearts? Because it wasn't what really mattered most to us. Jesus says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And some of you have felt your hearts ache. Some of you have felt your hearts crumble. Because your treasure was invested in a place it never should have been. Jesus says, put your treasure in a place and thus your heart in a place that nothing can tamper with. That nothing can destroy. Put it with me and my kingdom and what matters most. Are you anxious? We're living in anxious times. We're living in fearful times. And even if not by this stuff, we often experience distress and worry, anxiety. We want peace. How? It's by this. It's by seeing who he is, by considering that, and by redirecting our priorities, our hearts, our lives, even our money and our investment and our striving towards him and his kingdom. I pray that that is a gift that happens to all of us. And I, I get excited thinking about what would happen if that took place, if we really took this passage seriously and our lives changed. So what does this mean for us? It means this, talk to him, confess, Let him know where your heart has been aligned somewhere else. Let him know where you have been striving after other things. Let him know where you have not believed who he says he is. Confess. And then do the things that he says to do. Consider who God is and let it fill your heart. Seek after his kingdom truly and give. Let your life be radically reoriented towards generosity and what matters most. We're going to take communion in, uh, in just a minute. You can take some time and, and get the communion ready. But we're, we will take communion in a second where we remember Jesus' body broken for us. We remember his blood shed for us. You know what we remember? We remember Jesus who says about God, the Father loves you. He knows what you need. He cares for you. You matter to him. You belong to him. And Jesus is the one that made all that possible. Jesus is the one that through his death and his resurrection, he brings us into the family of God. He says, look, I'm telling you all this truth about how much God loves you and cares for you and you matter to him and you're his flock, but maybe you don't believe me still. The cross, 
is the ultimate picture that we have, the ultimate proof that we have, that we can trust what Jesus said about God. A God that would not just call us to give and focus on Him, but a God who gave Himself to us and focused His love and affection towards us. That's what we remember when we take communion. So we will do that in just a minute, and then we will pray together. So if you've got your communion elements, crackers, bread, juice, please uh, grab those and, and take that time to pray to God, to confess, and to remind yourselves of what He has done for you. I'm going to take communion, and then I will come back in just a moment, and then I'll pray and close us out. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that even when things are fearful and when we can be anxious, and I know it's not just theory. I know many people have experienced loss and pain even in their lives, of course, but in the last couple weeks. Lord, I pray that you would take these truths that we have prayed and, and let them go deeper into our hearts, that we, that we would know that you are a God that is for us. So I ask you three things, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would comfort those that need your comfort that you would bring deep comfort to people to know that they matter to you, that they belong to you, that you see them, you know them, and you're working for them. I pray you would bring deep comfort, Holy Spirit, even in this moment. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring conviction where we need our hearts realigned, that you would help us to realign our lives, that you would bring conviction and a sense of your forgiveness for where we have sinned. And then third, I ask that you would direct our steps, that you would show us what it means now to seek your kingdom and to give, and you would help us to walk in your way, Jesus. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you are good. Pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.